Hello and welcome to this solo podcast. I usually do a solo podcast when I have things that I want to say and today I feel like I have a lot to say and I think that's possibly because I didn't sleep much last night but who knows could could be anything and today's topic that I want to talk about is decision fatigue and willpower and a lot of the things I say are going to resonate a lot with anyone who is doing committed or commit to six or just generally anyone who's working with me one-to-one as well. So this should give you a bit more of an insight into why I have you do some of the things that I have you do or why I suggest that you do some of the things that I suggest that you do. And a lot of the programme for commit to six and committed and one-to-ones actually is built around some of these fundamentals. So it has been said that willpower is needed to accomplish anything worthwhile. And I would agree with that statement. But the problem is that it is also said, although there is some debate around this, that willpower is a finite source and that you can deplete that source. So if you think of willpower like a muscle, as you use it, it becomes tired, becomes depleted of energy and performance drops. The same principle can be applied to willpower. And I'm going to give you a few examples Probably the most famous example of depletion of willpower or decision fatigue was a study on judges. In this study, they looked at what would influence favourable outcomes. And the biggest predictor of this, of favourable outcomes from the judge, was time of day, which is very interesting and probably brings into question many other things. But the notion was or what the researchers propose is that this was due to decision fatigue as decision fatigue sets in it's much easier for a judge to say no and make that as a fairly easy decision no maybe someone stays in jail as opposed to a favorable decision which is possibly more risky especially given the consequences of judge-like situations But the same is true for you or for anyone making daily choices. And I'm going to come on to this a little bit later, but other examples of situations where you can see willpower depleting or causing negative performance outcomes. In another study, participants were asked not to think about a certain topic, and that requires an act of willpower because what you want to do as soon as you're asked not to think about a certain topic you always want to think about that topic so after they were told not to do this so testing their willpower they were then tested on an endurance test and those who had been almost pre-fatigued as it seems with a test of willpower performed significantly worse than those who hadn't had this willpower test beforehand so you can see that it doesn't just translate to decisions but it can translate to performance outcomes as well and these performance outcomes can be physical as in the endurance test or they can be what is the word psychological not really mental anyway another study had participants refrain from eating a cookie and then gave them a puzzle to complete And those who had been 
asked to refrain from eating a cookie as opposed to those who hadn't had that willpower challenge performed much worse on the puzzle after and they gave up quicker. So again, another interesting example of where willpower might be depleted or where decision fatigue kicks in. And then finally, one for any Americans listening that would, like, this doesn't make a huge amount of sense to me because I don't hugely follow American football, but I guess it translates to any sort of sporting decisions. Uh, They see that quarterbacks or quarterbacks, that is a really bad accent. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm sorry. Apologise to any Americans listening. But quarterback decisions in American football are worse towards the end of the game probably because of slight physical exhaustion, but also because they've been making decisions throughout the game. If that's how it works, I think, I think I've think i understood the game correctly. Actually, due to my lack of sleep, I have been watching something on Netflix. What's it called? All or Nothing. And one of them's, an Amer- well, in fact, two of them are American football, and they've been my favourite. Been really into it. So, yeah, quite a big fan now, although I'm not 100% sure how the game works. Anyway, let me get back to the topic at hand. And I want to talk to you about how you can, I guess, change your life. (laughs) Not, (laughs) okay, not how you can change your life, but how you can make changes in your life that are going to help reduce the effects of decision fatigue and help you use your willpower at the best time today and kind of just tips on how to structure your life to get the most out of your willpower if you will (laughs) okay so there I have five tips that I've come up with and most of these are going to resonate quite a lot with anyone who's worked with me but you will now understand the why so tip number one pretty groundbreaking this is to plan ahead and commit to six crew or committed crew you'll know that this is in your evening routine so to plan for the next day and the idea behind this is that you make obviously a plan for the next day and I always assume that future ESG can do a lot more than present ESG do you know what I used to I think this came from I used to write a morning circuit every night and I'd write it after eating really big meals. I think I'd feel like full and energized and like, yes, I can do anything. And I always, I always wrote like a really disgusting circuit, but I also had, and I still have a lot of respect for my plan or to-do list or list or circuit, no matter what it might be. Like if I write something down, it will get done. So my tip would be yet yes to plan ahead, but don't write things that you're not gonna do or that you don't think you might be able to do because that's almost like in my head breaking a promise to myself and once you start doing that tends to lead to not trusting yourself to a lack of self-efficacy if you're looking at that in a psychological terms and that's the belief that you can achieve a task so when you let yourself down you sort of lose that level of self-efficacy that you might have been on before And then what often I see happen then is that it tends to be a bit of like self-sabotage, negative self-talk and spirals a little bit and that kind of gets you nowhere. So do not write things on your list that you're not going to do and basically have a lot of respect for that list. So planning things night before also means that you're up and at it in the morning. I actually can't remember the last time 
That's strange. But I can't remember the last time I went to bed without knowing what I was going to do the next morning. And it doesn't, I mean, that doesn't have to be something crazy. I'm not talking about, you know, never having a day off or anything like that. It could just be that I know I'm going to get up and walk the dog in the morning. Or I know I'm going to get up and get ready to meet someone. Or whatever it might be. Having a bit of a plan in your head means that you can get up in the morning and go. And that's especially important if you're busy during the week. So if you're trying to train before work or if you're trying to get the kids ready before work or whatever it is, if you've got a busy life, which everybody does, having a plan and knowing exactly what you're going to do when you get up is going to make life so much easier and so much more productive. So that's tip one is to plan ahead. And step two leads on to this. And that is to plan your day around your decision fatigue or willpower tendencies. And that means usually doing the things that are most important or take the most brain power or creativity first. So I know that I do my best work in the morning. And when I'm doing lots of check-ins, for example, I would always take a break and avoid doing them late at night because I know that my responses won't be as good and I'll likely start to get lazy with them. So it's kind of about checking yourself as well. And if you think about this, it comes back to the examples I gave at the start about the judge making numerous decisions and then sort of having decision fatigue over the day and the same with the quarterback in football. And I'm sure you can all resonate with this happening to yourself. So to structure your day and use your best brain power at the right times, a good start would be to identify what your priority is at the moment. That could be losing weight if you're working with me, or it could be building muscle, or it could be you know any kind of body composition goals, or it could be something completely different. So it could be working on a new business. But identify what that thing is, and then start your day with actions that are going to get you closer to that goal. So for example, your morning routine, if you're on commit to six, or a gym session, or a high protein breakfast. So you're maybe ticking off some some of your non-negotiables for that day and starting your day on a positive note. Equally, if there is something at work or for your business that you need to do that requires quite a lot of concentration and thinking and brain power, then get that done first and don't waste your best hours on replying to emails or checking social media or doing sort of mundane tasks that you could be doing later on in the day when your decisions aren't as important. Tip number three, and this is a biggie, this is probably one of the most life-changing, slight exaggeration, but a really useful tip is that you should never make important choices or decisions after, I'm going to say 7pm, again quite an arbitrary time, but I just mean in the evening, because you may have noticed that this is when you tend to overeat, decide not to go to the gym, text your ex, order a Domino's, buy a load of random stuff on Amazon that you don't need, or post overly personal soppy crap on social media, probably should get a diary for that and write it down as it it may need to come out but I feel like social media doesn't need to know that kind of stuff anyway at this point of the day your brain is pretty tired from making decisions all day plus your body is likely tired from doing your morning routine obviously your steps nailing a gym session so now isn't a great time to be making more decisions 
And that means leaving those Amazon orders in the shopping basket a little bit at the side. And then if you still want them in the morning, you can buy them. But buying them at night is not a good idea. And leaving that text to your ex in your draft and then in the morning, still not sending it because it's still a bad idea. In fact, just go back and buy whatever you want on Amazon. Always going to be a better shout. Number four is another groundbreaking tip, which you just won't hear anywhere else. So you're really lucky that you're listening to this podcast. And that is, wait for it, to get enough sleep. I know, you probably haven't thought about this before. But being tired makes everything harder. Trust me, at the moment I would know. And especially things like resisting temptation or making good choices. And in fact, maybe good isn't even the right word here. What I'm talking about is making choices that your future self is going to be thankful for. And that's the art of practicing delayed gratification, where your behavior at the moment won't result in an immediate reward or maybe will result in a small immediate reward. But instead of doing that, you choose a behavior that is going to result in little reward now, or sometimes even you know negative reward now, but a much bigger reward in the future. So examples of that, because that might sound a bit wishy-washy, is say you don't want to go to the gym. Your reward now is to stay on the sofa and that's maybe enjoyable for a short amount of time so you have a small reward but weigh that against the big reward of yeah you're going to the gym and you don't want to go using a bit of willpower to get there maybe but you get there and the reward is in the future where if you keep practicing that habit you're going to be fitter you're going to be stronger you might look better what you will look better and that's your long-term reward And equally things like choosing to have a salad for dinner or a healthier dinner that is going to fit with your current body physique goals as opposed to just eating cookies all night, which might be more fun at the time, but is not going to give you the long-term reward that you want and is not going to bring you closer to your goals. So delayed gratification is a hugely important thing and seems to be strongly linked to willpower or being able to practice that art I guess of delayed gratification which I find really interesting because I think that some people tend to have it while others don't and they yeah I'm not sure where it naturally comes from or or how it can be taught or if that's just having finding the right person or the right program or the right approach that is going to motivate you and is going to give you that vision of where you want to be and keep you focused on getting there in possibly the easiest way possible which is why I instill things like non-negotiables where these are the things that you have to tick off every week that are going to get you closer to your goals anything that you do on top of that that's excellent but those are the things that you do consistently every week and the idea isn't that they're ridiculously hard and if you overachieve that's absolutely excellent the idea is that there are things that you can achieve kind of like what I was saying at the start where you you don't write things on your list that you can't achieve or that you can't do because that is like letting yourself down it's the same with when you're setting non-negotiables or when we're setting them together those are like the bare minimum those are things you have to tick off every week to get you closer to the goal that you want to be at 
Tip number five, my final tip, is to commit. Yes, <laughs> there is a reason that I use that word a lot. In fact, I think it really resonated with me at one point, And I'm sure it came from one of my hurdles coaches. So I used to, I used to run track. Yeah, I used to do hurdles when I was younger, 400 hurdles. And I wasn't particularly good. This isn't like a story of great athletic achievement. But what I did tend to do was relax at one part of my race. I think because if anyone's run a 400 meters, it's pretty horrible towards the end. And the one thing you don't want to do, especially if you're doing hurdles, is to have so much lactic that you can't get over the last couple of hurdles. And you see a lot of people fall if they miss pace the first half of the race. So what I would tend to do is go out really hard and then around the top bend, so around like the 200 meter mark, I'd sort of lose focus and I'd sort of maybe not push as hard because I was worried that I'd have nothing left in the home straight and that I would probably fall going over the last couple of hurdles or that it would just be lactic hell. Anyway, that was that was sort of my main problem in the race and, and I'd find that I'd psych myself up out a little bit by doing that. And the one thing or like the one word that was really triggered for me was to commit. So I'd always tell myself to commit around the top bend, around the 200 meter mark. And that really worked for me. So that's kind of where initially commit or the, the word really started to resonate with me. And then interestingly, it must it must work for a lot of people, obviously. But Lindsay Sharp, who's a 800 meter runner, I think it was at the Commonwealth Games, they sort of zoomed in on her hand and it had written on it, commit. Which was probably obviously the same sort of idea that in an 800 meters, you're, you get that sort of lactic build up as well. It's very much, um, in fact, definitely sure Lindsay does, but most like decent 800 meter runners can run their first 400 meters faster than I can run just 400 meters. So they're running at that kind of level or at least that kind of speed, I guess. Anyway, the point is that I'm sure within that race, because it's, it, I think 800 meters and 400 meters, actually probably more 800 meters, one of the hardest races to run because you're literally just on the edge of that critical power point where you're gonna start really accumulating lactic acid in your muscles and it's gonna be really, really painful and that can often inhibit you sort of running at all. Like if anyone's tried to run you know there's actually nothing you can do it's not about willpower or about wanting to finish faster it's just you will run out of puff so again pacing becomes a huge issue and knowing when to commit if you will or when to just sort of go for it is probably one of the most important aspects of the race anyway my point when it comes to this or the commit to six program is that hoping that you will be successful isn't going to get you very far so what you need to do is start committing to the behaviors to the actions to the tasks that will bring you close to where you want to be or that are going to take you a step closer to where you want to be and by this i mean you can't simply hope that you will have the motivation to go to the gym three times a week because that kind of action or that kind of mindset probably isn't going to get you past january so I think that's where a lot of people slip up on their New Year's resolutions as well, is that they take this approach that they're kind of hoping that just willpower or 
even just expecting that hope is enough to get them fit again and they don't instill these habits and behaviors and the structure behind these and that they have motivation to go to the gym a couple of times a week until probably about the end of January which is when we see a lot of people who have started new year's resolutions kind of dropping off <clears throat> whereas I feel like if they had had these structures in place and a plan going forward that they're much less likely to drop off and they're much more likely to be successful long term in their new year's resolution get fit goals on the flip side if you plan to do things in your week and most importantly and this is something i haven't really touched on which is surprising because i talk about it a lot but deciding to do something beforehand and then sticking to that decision is what is going to get you results And the point about deciding to do it beforehand is that you've already made that choice. So when you do lack willpower, when you do lack motivation, when you don't feel like doing it, or I mean, the obvious examples here are things like planning your meals ahead, because I know that, you know, I work with quite a lot of shift workers and coming home from maybe a 12 hour shift that wasn't just physically draining, but maybe if you're a nurse or something could be extremely emotionally draining is the prime time people want to overeat or eat their emotions or just find something quick and easy and go to bed whereas if you've planned ahead and you have something there and you've made that decision already that that's what you're having then you just do it it's almost like you're on autopilot and planning ahead and building structures habits routines behaviors into your life mean that you can preserve this finite source that is willpower And as I spoke about at the start, a lot of people refer to willpower as being like a muscle. And as you use it, it becomes fatigued. And that's why by the end of the day, you've used that muscle, you've used most of the willpower that you have, and it's much harder to make good decisions or decisions that are going to serve you well in the future. But I also like to think that if you also like muscle, if you use it more, it becomes stronger. Or you could flip that around and say that the relative load of willpower or the relative load of decisions that you're making becomes lighter because you've pre-planned them. Much like how a weight, let's say you started lifting 10 kilograms but you become much stronger, that 10 kilograms is much easier to lift. These decisions are much easier to implement and use less willpower or less muscle strength and resources because you've pre-planned them because you've made those decisions already and because you've made that decision you then don't have to make it again and the example I often give to try and explain this is that if you meet someone who is vegan and has been vegan for years sometimes people would ask like how do you avoid chocolate every day or how do you avoid not having a bacon roll like every day I'd struggle to make these decisions And the point is that that person chose to be vegan potentially years ago and they made that decision once and they don't have to make that decision every day or they don't have to make that decision numerous times a day when they're put in front of things like chocolate, dairy, I don't know, whatever people crave that are made from animal sources. Some people also suggest to reduce the amount of decisions that you make so for example 
some of the most successful people wear the same clothes every day. Well, maybe not like exactly the same clothes, but, or I would hope not anyway, but like the same outfit every single day because that's a choice they then don't have to make. So they, they're restricting the amount of decisions they have to make. And interestingly, it's thought that parents can instill the principles or the attributes of self-control and willpower into their children. And this is thought to be one of the reasons that successful parents tend to have successful kids. Now, there's obviously so many other factors in that, and that obviously doesn't always hold true. But generally, children copy their parents and the environment that they are in. And if they're used to their parents practicing self-control or delayed gratification or encouraging and instilling these things in their children by rewarding success and maybe punishing failure as well, then these attributes or personality traits, or I don't even know exactly how you would describe these. Maybe I should have looked that up before coming on the podcast, but I haven't. But they can be passed on to their children in that way. So those are my five tips. If you have forgotten them in between my ramblings. The first one was to plan ahead. The second one was to plan your day or your life structure around decision fatigue. And the third one was to never make important choices or decisions after 7pm. The fourth one was to get enough sleep. And the fifth one was to commit. And also, if you haven't committed to six, you should probably also commit to six. God, so good at sales. That was just so natural. Anyway, one of my in real life friends, I'm going to call him that because we've been for coffee a few times. So basically best friends now, is a researcher in psychology. And he's done some really interesting research looking at impulsivity and decision making. And he's shown that subjective so self-reported hunger levels are linked to more impulsive decisions which means that planning ahead and making those decisions before decision fatigue or you're excessively hungry those kind of things set in mean that you're far more likely to stick to your good choices so again let's give the example of someone coming home from shift work you're probably really hungry you likely didn't get your break you've probably physically tired so you've got all these I guess, key points that are going to potentially lead to the perfect storm of making bad decisions. Yet, you're not going to do that because you've planned ahead. Because you are a smart cookie. And you've already made that decision to eat the healthy meal or to go to the gym or whatever it is. And that means you don't have to make it again when you're in a worse psychological state to make that decision. Also remember again, never break a promise to yourself. And interestingly, willpower has also been linked to glucose levels. But I think from what I've seen, and I'm nowhere near an expert in this field, and actually I'm hoping to have Ben on the Fitness Unfiltered podcast. Ben is a psychologist, by the way. Uh, So he's going to come on and discuss these things on Fitness Unfiltered. So hopefully that will be within the next couple of weeks. We've actually got some awesome guests coming on that in the next couple of weeks so that's a very very exciting 
because I'm sure everyone is bored of listening to us just chat about stuff. So we're going to have some real experts and some of them really, really amazing guests. Anyhow, back to my point. I'm not sure that there is the link that people are trying to say there is. So there is a, there seems to be a link between glucose levels and decision-making or cognitive ability. And although actually Ben's work showed a link between subjective hunger, it didn't show a link between glucose levels and the ability to make decisions or the ability to perform well on certain mental tasks. So that's quite interesting. And I'd also be interested to see if sweet taste alone and not glucose or, well, and not sugar or glucose food ingestion would actually improve willpower and also improve decisions making. And I say this because many, many years ago when I was seeing my dissertation, I looked at carbohydrate mouth rinsing. So that is literally just like swirling around glucose in your mouth. Glucose, okay, let's glucosate, something high in glucose, and then spitting it out. So you've not ingested any of that glucose. And it's still showed an increase in performance and the theory behind that is that your brain is expecting um glucose or fuel and so you can increase performance and the sweet taste receptors in your mouth are responsible for that or have a key part to play in that and i wonder if especially with things like making decisions or willpower that would be enough so anything sweet in your mouth would be enough And I'm not sure if that would even work with things that you you might not have to swirl around um, (laughs) glucosate in your mouth and spit it out because there's not many situations where that is actually appropriate. But maybe even sugar-free type things that have a sweet taste would trigger this same response. And that might be especially useful or efficacious, i.e. works well for more mental tasks because you're not actually you know your muscles don't need that glucose reserve or that glycogen in them or blood glucose levels to actually fuel performance there's much less of that needed to make decisions so maybe a sweet taste would be enough to trigger better decision making and just to add this is a complete thought process of mine or just what has literally just come to my head so I'm not saying that would be the case I'm just saying it might be and if it is then I'm taking full credit for that and finally some people actually almost dismiss willpower as a thing and they sort of question whether it's actually more of a self-limiting belief system and a self-fulfilling prophecy that you think that you don't have enough willpower thus you don't have enough willpower anyway as i said more of this when ben comes on the podcast the fitness unfiltered podcast so make sure you are listening to that and i am now off to take my mum to the gym and i'm gonna maybe do a bit of a podcast on why that is so important maybe my next podcast and get into the science a little bit about that I hope you have enjoyed today's podcast. If you have and you found it useful, please share it. Please send it to anyone you think would find it useful as well. 
and any feedback is greatly appreciated.